Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. Um, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the privilege to be here this morning. We pray that we will be blessed as we look into your word. I ask that you will guide my words and my thoughts and that they will bring glory to you. I pray that sinners will come to know Jesus as their Savior today and believers will find the joy that he offers freely. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, it's good to see you this morning, and uh, it's uh, getting very close to Christmas. I hear people say, are you ready? For the believer, you're always supposed to be in Christmas mode. So you are supposed to be always ready. Um, I'm going to be speaking on freedom. Freedom number two. There's more to come. And uh, the freedom I'm speaking on this morning is not the one I planned to speak on the last time I spoke. But I, I think this is the one the Lord wants me to speak on. Uh, I prepared the message for the next round, but uh, the Lord guides you or directs you in a different path. I don't remember if you remember what we said two weeks ago. What is freedom? Does anybody remember? Salvation. Salvation. Freedom is salvation. And I'm hoping that uh, when we sing, like we did this morning, that we don't think of it as add-on, that the speaker's thing is the main thing. The one we did before was the preparation for the speaker. And I'll tell you why. It's supposed to be a time when your heart is tuned to sing God's praise. And there is nothing better than praising the Lord Jesus Christ from your heart. So even if I didn't say anything this morning, if your heart has been lifted to praise the Lord Jesus Christ, you've done well. And uh, I'm hoping it's possible you to do that on a daily basis, not just here. As you step out in your bedroom, in your house, they're saying, oh, we're free, free, forever we are free. When nobody's watching, just because you are thinking of what Jesus has done. We are going to be doing lots of singing in heaven, and so if you don't like singing, <laughs> you have to start practicing now. Because that's what the angels do. They bow down and then they worship and they praise God night and day. And they are not tired, they are not exhausted. God is not saying, is there nothing better to do? So I'm hoping that's not the case. So the believer's freedom in Christ. I don't have any tool to work with. So 
technology <laughs> means I need to have something to press. To press. <laughs> All right. Thank you. All right. So, freedom is a life controlled by truth and motivated by love. And it's what Jesus has done. And freedom means freedom. Freedom means not constrained. You know, the Lord frees you. You have freedom. In fact, the means and method of freedom is Christ's death and resurrection. And the method is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, writing to the Colossians, said, As you have therefore received Christ, walked in him. It's almost like faith never ends. Some people think that once I'm born again, I'm done. Actually, it's like a life that begins, a life of faith begins, a life of relationship with God. It never ends. That's the life we are going to be living forever. So if you're a believer, you have to have faith and walk in faith. So proclamation of freedom. These verses we looked at last time, which was John 8, 36 uh, Jesus answered and said to them, if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. And um, in verse 51, it says, truly, truly, I say to you, if any man keeps my words, he will never see death. As a strong statement. And after I finished preaching this message, I got a call on Tuesday that says a 22-year-old boy has died. And I was told, it's a friend's son in Montreal, so I've known this guy for 26 years, so I had to fly down for a funeral. And this young man was a believer. So how can this be true? When Jesus says, if any man keeps my word, he will never see death. What does it mean? And this statement that he made, he made it before he was arrested and killed. If any man keeps my word, he will never see death. How can this be true? If he himself was killed. Now, I want you to think about it because hopefully we can answer the question as we proceed. All right. Let's move on. Now, freedom cost us nothing, but it cost the Lord Jesus Christ his life. And I like to read, so m mostly what I'm going to be doing this morning, I have passages that I'm going to put up we're going to read together. And I have two translations that I'm using, the New American Standard Bible and the New Living Translation, neither of which are my regular reads. I, my regular read is New King James. But I find sometimes the English in the New King James is dated. For example, when it says, um, Gabriel read this morning when he says, as many as believed in him, 
To them, he gave the right to become sons of God. So the ladies will look at us and say, sons? Does that mean we're excluded? Not true, but those days was understood. Sons means everyone. So, but the new one will say children. And it seems like, oh, okay, it's all of us. So I'm apologizing for those who are King James only and New King James only. I like all of that. But for this message, I have New American Standard and New Living Translations. You will see why, because sometimes the explanation is very simple and straightforward. So, <clears throat> so the Lord Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, he died for our freedom. So let's read. Pilate then took Jesus and scourged him. He was in front of Pilate. That was read this morning, I believe, during breaking of bread. Somebody read something about Pilate. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and put a purple robe on him. And they began to come up to him and say, Hail, King of the Jews, and to, to give him slaps in the face. Pilate came out again and said to him, Behold, I'm bringing out to you so that you may know that I find no guilt in him. A crown of thorns, slap on the face, and ultimately going to be crucified. All for only one reason, for our freedom. You see, freedom cost the Lord Jesus Christ his life. He abandoned his throne from heaven and became a baby. And then he became a man and died on the cross, not because he enjoyed suffering, but because of you and because of me, to get us freedom. And so they put him on the cross and then crucified him. I'm not going to be able to read everything because I have passages, a few more passages that I like to read. But here he was scorched, he was beaten, he was uh, spat upon, even though there was no guilt in him. Why? Because of our freedom. Come on. So, so they nailed him on the cross, and then they put him there. And so I want to show you what I believe is the proclamation of freedom. While he was on the cross, Verse 28 of John says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished to fulfill the scripture, said, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine upon a branch of his soap and brought it up to his mouth. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. But one of the soldiers, verse 34, pierced his side with a spear. And immediately blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true. And he knows that he's telling the truth, so that you may also believe. So, it is finished. That's what he said on the cross. In my mind, that's the proclamation of freedom. 
He didn't say I'm finished. He said it is finished. And the means of freedom is Jesus' crucifixion on the cross and his death. And the guarantee of freedom is his resurrection and his forever life. It lives forever, so that guarantees freedom. And the way to freedom is faith in Jesus Christ. So, let's repeat the proclamation of freedom. It is finished on the cross. That's what he said. The means of freedom is his death and his crucifixion on the cross. And the guarantee of freedom is his fact that he lives forevermore. And the way to freedom is faith in Jesus Christ. Now I want you to notice that one theme runs through all that I've said. The man Jesus Christ is the only one that gives freedom. He is, when you talk about freedom, if you exclude the Lord Jesus Christ, it's a temporary thing. Whatever that freedom is, is temporary. Jesus must be at the center of every discussion that has to do with freedom. For the freedom to be guaranteed that it lasts forever. I tell you why. I mean, nobody else without the Lord Jesus lives forever. If you live forever without Christ, it will be forever under eternal damnation. You need somebody outside of you to guarantee freedom. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. So my focus this morning is I want you to think about the son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the center of freedom. When you think of freedom, you exclude him. It's no freedom at all. It is bondage. Oh, man. So what was finished? Let me give you a few things that were finished. Keeping the law as a means of righteousness was finished. Bondage to sin in all its forms finished. Death, eternal separation from God was finished. And the power of the devil was also finished. And other bondages that we'll be talking about. These things, when Jesus said it is finished, it means things that brought people to bondage, I have dealt with them and I've put an end to them. And um, let's look at scriptures because I just want to read for the most part this morning, I want to read scriptures. When we become believers and trust the Lord Jesus Christ, something happens. We become saved. And Paul writes this in Romans chapter 8, verse 1 to 4. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Notice. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me, what? Free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, that is keeping the law, could not do. Weak as it were through the flesh, God did. 
sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as an offering for sin. Notice what he did. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. The Lord Jesus kept the law and all its requirements for us. He took care of sin and he took care of the law. Um, let's read the New Living Translation. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weaknesses of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in the body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did so so that the just requirement of the law will be fully satisfied for who? For us. For us. So Jesus satisfied all the requirements of the law for us. I know there are people that think they need to keep the law in order to have right standing with God. We'll say more about that because the requirements of the law is quite stringent. If you fall short of one, you fall short of all of them. And no human being is able to keep all the law. That's why the Lord Jesus came to ensure that that requirement is met for us. Let's move on. The Lord Jesus is the key to freedom. Now read this verse. In Hebrews chapter 2, it says, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son of the Son, that's the Lord Jesus, also became flesh and blood, for only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death, only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. I like the way the New King James says it, and I like to quote it that way, but my goal is for you to see, you know, so I don't just want to quote verses that it's not, you know, that um, it's the English seems a little bit dated. So hopefully you can see. So the New American says, Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death. When Jesus said it is finished, he was rendering powerless the one that has the power of death while he was on the cross. 
That is the devil is written there and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Freedom. Freedom from the fear of death, freedom from the devil. That's what Jesus did on the cross. What else do we have to say? Jesus Christ, the key to freedom. In Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 to 58, you see I'm barely reading scripture. That's all I'm doing this morning. Trying to just read the word of God and hoping that you will begin to own it so that you will begin to think the way God thinks and then you begin to act the way God expects you to act. Behold, I tell you a mystery, Paul writes, we will not all sleep. Paul acknowledged that Christians sometimes pass away or die. He said, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on the immortality. But when this perishable would have been put on the imperishable, and this mortal would have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? And notice, the sting of death is what? Sin. The, and the power of sin is what? The law. The power of sin is the law. The sting of death is sin. You notice sin, death, the law. But then he writes this, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What I want to happen to you at the end of this message is that you will fall in love with the Lord Jesus. He's the key to freedom and he's the key to victory. We don't think of freedom because, you know, we can fight for ourselves. We think of freedom because the Lord Jesus has won the battle for us. And so we go in his victory, and that's how we overcome. And then he commands us, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Just in case that was too strong English, we come to the modern English. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live. For how long? Forever. Why will they be raised to live forever? If any man keeps my word, he will never see death. Because when a believer dies, he's separated from us, but he's not separated from God. He's transitioning to be with God, but we don't see him and we mourn, which is the right thing to do, but he's not really dead. And then he goes on, 
and we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never do what? Die. And mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies has been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But thank God, it gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, freedom comes from Jesus Christ. And that's why he needs to be the only one we focus on. Anything that keeps your mind occupied with adoring and exalting the Lord Jesus Christ, whether it's music, whether it's message, whether it's reading the Bible, any one of those is good. So singing is not add-on, especially when we are exalting the Lord. It is taking us to the right place where we ought to be. All right, so the Lord Jesus is the key to freedom. And it's possible never to see dead and live forever when you trust in the Lord. Like we've said already, death's power is sin and sin's power is the law. And Jesus Christ releases us from that. Sound booth. All right, sound booth. Sound booth. All right. Next time, sound booth. <laughs> All right. Now, what does this mean? You see, I, I, I made up my mind this morning that mostly what I'm going to do is to read the word of God. To get you to begin to own the word of God and to begin to think the way God thinks. To begin to see things the way God sees about you. Because when you have that frame of mind, you have freedom. Now, this is one other passage. Now I say, as long as the hair is a child, it does not differ at all from a slave. This is in the context of freedom. This is even in the context of Christmas. And it's also in the context of the Lord Jesus coming. Verse 4. But when the fullness of the time came, at the right time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem that word redeem means what? Free. So that he might redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. It's one of those passages where when I read like that from the New American 
the girls are sitting and saying, mm, am I one of them? That's why I have the other translation. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into a heart crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God, an heir through God. New Living Translation, verse 4. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to do what? To buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law. So that he could adopt us as his own very, as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. There is no greater freedom than to think of yourself the way God thinks about you. You are a child of God regardless of what anybody else think of you. Regardless of what anybody else think about you, God has sent his son to adopt you so that you can be his child. Friend, from slaves to becoming God's children, and Jesus said, a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a child does. And if the son will set you free, you are free indeed. That's freedom. I'm sure when you step out, so many things are going to be talking at you, making you doubt whether God still loves you, making you doubt whether you are worth something. And that's why I chose this morning, the best thing to do is to read the word of God so that you can begin to think the way God thinks about you. So that you begin to see yourself the way God sees you. Because that's truth. At the right time, Jesus came, paid for our sins so that we might be adopted as God's children. And now we are God's ch children. God has sent his spirit into our heart and we can cry, Abba, Father. Do you know that the Jews, the Israelites, the people in the Old Testament couldn't do this? They couldn't call God Father. But we can because we have a relationship with God because of Christ. Now, my intention this morning was to read the word of God and to make you See Jesus for who he is. He's the one that has brought freedom to us. All of the passages that I've read this morning have one person standing above all, the Lord Jesus Christ. He sacrificed on the cross when he declared it is finished. Meant much more than we know. It meant freedom. Freedom from the power of sin. Freedom from righteousness that comes from the law. Freedom from death. Having a life that will never pass away. 
It meant transforming us from being slaves. In fact, in Ephesians, we are told that if you are not a Jew, you are not even qualified to be a slave. But the Lord Jesus took us from that position and made us God's children. So when God looks at you and looks at me, he sees us as nothing more than his children. That is freedom. And I would like to think that way all the days of my life. Because that's truth. To think otherwise is to deviate from the truth. If the son shall make you free, you are free indeed. And so, friends, we are God's children because of Jesus Christ. Now, there's a challenge that I have for all of us. So how do you ensure that the Lord Jesus stays at the forefront of your thinking? Before I get there, probably that verse, another verse here before I get there. You know, the world boasts about many things. People boast about technology. I work with lots of engineers. And engineers believe that they can do anything and do everything. And others boast about money. Um, all kinds of things. But as believers, we only have one thing to boast about. The Lord Jesus Christ. The cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul said this. May it never be said that I would boast except in the cross. Except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. May I never boast about anything else except the cross. And so we need to find a way to keep the cross at the forefront of our mind to think about the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the challenge. How do you keep Jesus in plain sight daily? When Jesus was living, just on his way to the cross, he gathered his disciples and put a simple symbol of bread. Broke it, gave them to take. And then he said this, do this in remembrance of me. When was the last time you broke bread? To remember the Lord Jesus Christ. I've been here for about 26 years and I was thinking about this. There are believers in the assembly that have never broke bread for 26 years. But he said, do this in remembrance of me. When was the last time? Because that meeting is designed to have only one focus. The sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. To remind us of what is important to the Lord. Now, I'm not trying to guilt you into anything. I am just saying that that's what he said. In fact, let me put the next passage so that you will see 
what Paul said. He was talking to the church of Corinth. And he said this. For I pass unto you what I received from the Lord. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. As often as you drink it, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, what are you doing? You are announcing the Lord's death. We are back to the cross. Till how long? Until he comes. This can be a new year resolution for many. To put before them the Lord's death until he comes. Friends, anything that keeps Jesus in plain sight and is sacrificed on the cross in plain sight is a good thing. And so I want to challenge you. If you haven't been a part of it, you can. You should aim to be. Because it's good. It elevates the Lord Jesus Christ and it reminds us of his sacrifice on the cross. Nothing could be better. And so, friends, I'm done. I only aim to read scripture this morning and not to say a whole lot. I've said more than I'm supposed to say. And so I'm done. We have freedom in Christ. We are God's children. And we should live that way. Um, I had the song I picked that I said we should sing. And Nick kept saying Revelation song. So Nick, Revelation song. Let's have it. All right, so I'm going to pray and then we'll sing Revelation song on our way out. I know there are so many lovers of Revelation song in the congregation, so we'll sing Revelation song. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the privilege to be here this morning. Help us never to forget your son. May he be the supreme king in our hearts. And may he dominate our thoughts and our words and our acts. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.